You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Wednesday. We are back and doing it late as we've been doing it all week. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground as a whole publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And yes, I am officially a homeowner. I don't get to move for another week. And then things are going to look really weird for probably about five months because it's going to take a while before we build out the studio. Maybe six or seven, to be honest, because it's not going to be as cheap as building a studio in my townhouse basement in uh, Ann Arbor. It's a little bit different situation because need insulation and drywall and paint and floors and heat and heating and cooling and all that stuff in the area it's going to go in so probably we'll figure it out we'll figure out how that's going to work um not a lot necessarily going on today or yesterday even beyond what we talked about with the coordinators and all of that I do want to discuss to stay on this Ohio State train because it just feels like every day there's something new with Ohio State, that's just hilarious. So we're going to get into this Northwestern business, uh, fan slash business owner uh, in that area. He uh, he spoke to the Wall Street Journal because they, they, the Wall Street Journal did a an article on Northwestern, uh, their planned, which looks awesome, renovations of Ryan Field. And the Evanston residents are apparently not loving it because they don't want really anything to do with football and all this kind of stuff. Well, there's a guy who owns a, a hot dog uh, stand near the stadium, and he spoke about the fan bases. I don't, I don't really know how this ties in. I think it's just people don't like the crowds right around Evanston. So this guy was discuss. Uh, his name is Mark. St- uh, Mr. Sorry, Mr. Starkman. I don't know his first name based off of what I'm looking at here. He uh, he owns the hot dog stand, and he well, let's just read the quote from from uh, the Wall Street Journal. Mr. Starkman, who is 56, said complaints about fans urinating on lawns. Yes, that's where we're going. We're really hitting the bottom of the barrel here. And bushes after games are exaggerated and only happen. When Northwestern hosts Ohio State. Wisconsin fans party very hard, but are, quote, nice and respectful, he said. Michigan State fans are, quote, brilliant, lots of doctors and judges. Michigan supporters are, quote, ruffians, but generally well-behaved. Iowa's are the friendliest in the Big Ten, and Nebraska's fans are the most likely to arrive in pickups. Quote, Ohio State fans are the only problem. They have a monster following and they think the whole world is their bathroom. So there's a lot to digest here. <laughs> um, let's let's get with the first thing before we get to the Ohio State at all. I feel like he has Michigan and Michigan State fans confused. I mean, if he wants to call Michigan fans ruffians, fine. I've, I've not encountered that in my time as a fan, a student, a fan in in the media. I have not, Ruffians is not, listen, as a fan, I, I totally leaned into this, the uh, stigma that Michigan fans get. I would have people over, I would make burgers, yes. Like, so this is when I lived in California 
And I did a little bit when tailgating too, but I, I'm like, well, well, I tailgated before the Penn State game and the Under the Lights game in 2014. Uh, I made these burgers and I topped them with lobster. When I had people over in Los Angeles to watch Michigan games, I would top the top my burgers with like, you know, black truffles, like legit black truffles and stuff that I would get at the store and shave over top of them or I'd find like a black truffle salsa. The same stores would have those. Uh, And then I would only serve champagne, no beer, only champagne. Uh, that was because I was like, hey, you want to say we're a wine and cheese crowd, we're a sushi crowd and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to lean into it. And, you know, like, I'm not saying I am emblematic of the fan base. Certainly I am not. <laughs> but, uh, th- you know, that was, you know, I- I've seen some pretty fancy tailgates out there in Ann Arbor. I wouldn't call them ruffians and. That, yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of Michigan State fans that are doctors and judges, but I feel like that's more representative of Michigan than Michigan State. So I feel like it's they got it reversed a little bit. That's just what I'm kind of getting off that. So that's fine. Uh, Wisconsin fans partying hard but being nice and respectful. That sounds about right. Iowa being friendliest in the Big Ten. I feel like that belongs to I – th- I think you could switch Iowa and Nebraska as well. Ohio State, though – <laughs> that I I mean how true is is that like there there's I mean I don't know about the you know doing your business stuff but the they think the whole world is their blank is pretty accurate I've been to I've been to Ohio State games in Columbus three times the last time wasn't that bad actually I mean not just because of the win I think maybe they Ohio State fans were a little more scared of what could happen uh, in, in it compared to the others where it just kind of generally felt unsafe, even though I wasn't wearing anything Michigan related either time, you know, it's like you, you just are waiting for them to discover like, ah, he's not wearing scarlet and gray, even though he's a photographer on the field, get him, you know? And, you know, I, I made precautions cause it was the first time this last time was the first time I drove my own vehicle down to Columbus. I, I made some precautions. I'm not going to tell you what they were because obviously my car had Michigan plates. I made some precautions took them and was able to escape unscathed because I've heard enough stories from people about the maniacal nature of the Ohio state fans. Heck this podcast probably like I've done several that have touched on Ohio state in one way or another all week and I'm not reading the comments. So if you have something that you're saying, you're commenting um, you like you're a Michigan fan and you have something you like actually, you know, have a legit question, uh, hit me up on Twitter, you know, just tweet at me. That's probably the better way because I'm just not checking the comments because it goes too far, right? Like it, it can't just be, you know, we're just having fun. You know, it's a rivalry. We're just having fun. No, it's got to be personal and angry generally. So when whenever I cover, once we get to the Ohio State week, I just kind of avoid reading any social media directed at me. Uh, I do make the mistake of usually going over to 11 Warriors and seeing what people say in their comment section on the annual uh, Q&A that I do with them, and in which, I mean, I've been pretty spot on the last couple times, you know, um, even, except for the fact that I, I, I'm pretty sure I picked uh, Michigan to lose both games. Otherwise, like talking about Michigan's strength and, and strengths and weaknesses have been pretty spot on. And people get really upset, even when you're like, yeah, I think Ohio State's going to win. They get really upset. 
something wrong with uh, that whole scenario. But uh, it's fun seeing that it isn't just the Michigan fans getting it when it comes to Ohio State. You know, I have more I want to say on this. Believe it or not, we're going to stretch this into two two segments. So we're going to continue on here in a moment. Before we do, the tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot on a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Tell you what, Zuri is really gearing up for between the couch that I got. Oh, by the way, I, I meant to do this at the top of the show. Giant, giant, giant shout out to first and foremost uh, Rocket Mortgages, Michael Coriasso. I know I've I've mentioned him before. Uh, it again, if you were if you were in the market and you are looking for a mortgage, I mean, this guy is a rock star. Again, hit me up on any social media except for the YouTube comment section for this. Uh, if you want, uh, if you're in the market and you need someone that's going to help you out, personal endorsement. Same thing with former Tennessee volunteer lineman, a former four star, Danny O'Brien, who was my realtor. So uh, if you if you're in. I don't know what areas he necessarily services, obviously Fenton, because that's where I am going to be living. Uh, but uh, if, if you are in need of a realtor in the this greater region, he is also a rock star. So hit me up if you need any of that, and I will be glad to forward uh, their info over to you. Um, all right. So anyway, as I was saying, I, I, I got a couch last week. Um, I didn't have a couch. And I went to Home Goods today and bought this chair. Uh, Sarah wanted a rocking chair. She's not living with me, but just for her coming over, she wanted a rocking chair. And they had this the most comfortable glider, swivel glider at Home Goods that I've been keeping my eye on for like a month. So today, after we closed, I went and picked it up. And Zuri is very, very interested anytime we get a new piece of furniture. She gets more, just she acts more excited than I do. Like she sees and she's all waggy waggy and jumping all around and all excited. And uh, right now she's laying on my feet, staring at me. So that's where we're at. All right, let's get to the the Ohio State stuff again. Let's continue on. Um, I don't remember where I left off because I decided to divert a little bit of attention elsewhere. Uh, but um, yeah, that, that every every year. It's it's a week that I avoid, and and it's interesting to hear that it's other fan bases that uh, see this. Now, what I was going to say, now that I remember, the thing about Northwestern that's kind of unique is that it's somewhat centrally located in the Big Ten Conference, right? They're kind of smack dab in the middle of it all, you know, and uh, I mean, certainly that's going to probably be more Nebraska and Iowa uh, here coming up, more so Nebraska. Nebraska was like the halfway point in my drive when I moved to L.A., um, but once uh, UCLA and USC joined. But I digress. 
the thing is, is it's Northwestern centrally located, probably the most tepid fan base when it comes to following the football team. Certainly, they've had some success to Big Ten championship games in the last, uh, what, five years? So they've had some success, but then they've been bad again lately. Um, but generally for the bigger programs, if they play at Northwestern, like Michigan plays at Northwestern, you know it's going to be more of a Michigan crowd. If Ohio State, even more so, because those fans take over every stadium in general, uh, you know that that's going to be more of a uh, Ohio State crowd. I'm sure the same could be said of Penn State or Wisconsin or any of those guys. So, uh, in a in a weird way, I feel like like this this hot dog vendor's uh, evaluation is pretty spot on because they would have that experience. Plus, it seemed like Ohio State was playing at Northwestern like relatively frequently. Seems like like they've had. I don't know if they've had the crossover. I feel like their crossover was with um Nebraska. But it seemed like every other year or every few years, Ohio State would find themselves playing at Northwestern, whereas Michigan's only played at Ryan Field once since I've been covering the team going all the way back to 2015. So I guess also like, you know, the the Michigan Ruffians, I don't know how often Michigan State's played at Northwestern. I guess they, they play every year for a little while. So... um. And the other schools, obviously, they play, you know, every year, Iowa, Nebraska, and uh, Wisconsin that he mentioned. But it, it's almost, like, encouraging to to understand that, like, other other fan bases in the, the conference take, a, especially one that's as congenial generally as Northwestern is, the kind of, like, you know, please, you know, please don't kill us, you know, when, when you're playing them. Uh, certainly I've had no bad interactions with any Northwestern fans in the media, but like with Ohio state fans and the same thing can be said of Michigan state fans is that when it comes to those game weeks, they take it so personally that like, I'm sure that I'm not the only media person that they're going after. And then I'm not saying that there aren't fans in media because there are right. That you have some, you know, and I worked for a team specific site, but I think, one of the un- underrated things that I can speak of, of like, as I've told you before, I've kind of killed my fandom, is that I worked alongside Zach Shaw and at 24-7 Sports, and he came with this newspaper mentality, and it forced me to kind of meet him at his level, because he'd already worked at the Michigan Daily, and, you know, he had this kind of, you know, I'm passionate about football, but dispassionate about Michigan type mentality and uh even though he also went to michigan but it and it was all just based out of professionalism so like i i told you before like there the moment when i realized i had to kill my fandom was after the the spot in the 2016 there were some other things that happened in that game and i'm not you know behind the scenes for me professionally that i'm not going to share uh because it involves some other professionals not covering michigan uh, and it just would be unethical for me to to really mention any of it. Um, but I I was a heated mess, more so about the professional stuff. But probably also off of the the JT Barrett spot and all of that. And I I was just a complete disaster driving us home. I was just angry. 
the entire time. So that taught me to to kind of take a step back. And in 2016, you know, there were four losses in the in the regular season. Um, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, and maybe it was four losses overall. South Carolina, I know, in, in the bowl game. But uh, that kind of, you know, it, it, it taught me to put my head down and work. And I would share all of that personal stuff because it, it's it's funny to me when the, the Ohio State game week comes up and I can just post like a a story that's like, you know, back a couple of years ago, Aiden Hutchinson eager to prove himself against Ohio State. I know that's probably not exactly the story. And you just get, you know, all of these fans from the rival team that feel like ripping you personally. They're just not at all congenial. Now, I do know that there are Michigan fans that act like that towards probably more of the MSU writers and probably some Ohio State writers. But again, like I've talked about, there is like a rivalry almost with the Ohio State writers. I feel in the Michigan writers because it's, you know, I think I mentioned this before and I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but you you can go back and listen to it. If you were so inclined, I was on a a podcast in 2016 um, with some colleagues that covered Ohio state and they had asked me what, you know, what, you know, what does Michigan's defense present going into the 2016 game? I said, well, it's the top pass defense in the country. And they're like, you mean to tell us you think, Michigan has the top-rated pass defense in the country. You think that it's better than what the Buckeyes are putting out there. I'm like, well, what I'm telling you is that they are statistically ranked the best in the country. That's what I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) And they got so angry. Like, how dare you not bow down to the almighty Buckeye? Uh, And and certainly there's there's some of that with uh, with the Michigan State rivalry as well. We've seen some very unprofessional things uttered by a couple different people. Again, I'm not going to mention names. I don't think that that's nice or fair, and I don't want to. Um, but uh, certainly there have been th- some things that I would deem unethical and not just being like friendly jab when it comes to the rivalries. And, um, you know, naturally that's going to draw the ire of people, especially after things like, you know, what happened in the stadium tunnel. There were some people that had some pretty uh, pretty ridiculous opinions, in my opinion. Again, we're just talking opinions across the board, but there were people that I thought were so far over the line uh, with, with their opinions. And I think that it made sense that they got the ire of the Michigan fan base as a result. But it's still, it's just a funny thing. All right. We're done with rivalry talk. Um, we're going to continue on. Uh, and I just we'll, we'll touch a little bit on the spring game and in, a thing that I th- I think is interesting from what Sharon Moore said yesterday. I don't I don't think we covered it, but we'll we'll talk about that here in a moment. All right, let's just spend a couple minutes here. I don't think that I covered this. I'm I'm gonna look and make sure because I don't I don't want to be doubling up on stuff here. Let's let's see if I can pull up my little my little article here, just that I covered yesterday. See, this is where it's good because I can sit here and reference exactly what I talked about yesterday and know. Okay, yeah, we I I didn't talk about it, so 
Uh, I'm going to look up this Sharon Moore quote because he was asked what he I, I've been asked often. What are you looking forward to the most when it comes to the spring game? Well, Sharon Moore told me what or told us. Was it Sharon? Or was it? Uh, it might have it might have been um, Minter. I, I can't remember exactly, I guess. Um, no, it is Sharon. I was right. He was asked what's the most important thing he's looking for in the spring game. So here's what he said. You're in a game day atmosphere, especially guys that haven't played in a game day atmosphere. Younger guys or guys that haven't played just to see how they react and how they react in the big house, who they are, how they react with fans. It's not the practice atmosphere with the coaches right there behind them. So that's the biggest thing for us. I know we know what Carson Barnhart is going to do. We know what Trente is going to do. We know what JJ and he's just gotten better and better. So I'm just seeing those young guys and how they react in that atmosphere. And just let them all have fun. The big thing we're wanting to do is go out there, compete, enjoy the time, embrace the time, and have a lot of fun. So I guess that, in a way, is very much what I want to see, right? Because you want to see, I think, for me, the biggest thing that I want to see on Saturday, aside from the weather not being what they're saying, I was totally fooled when I looked, and I was like, oh, it's going to be 58 degrees. And turns out that's at, like, midnight, and that's going to be, like, 30 degrees and super windy uh, come the time that the actual game starts. That sounds miserable. Uh, but, um, but the thing that I want to see is players that maybe we're either hearing a bit about the Amarion Walkers and Braden McGregor's of the world, uh, guys that we're hearing about go out there and flash, but I also want to hear, I want to see those guys that maybe we haven't. And I know that that doesn't necessarily always translate. Nate Shanley, uh, really stood out in the 2017 spring game as did Derek Jeter, or not Derek, nah, Donovan Jeter. Um, so sometimes you get some of that. Darius Clemens had that big touchdown. The Max Bredesen touchdown was a little bit more prescient. I mean, he didn't go out there on a scoring spree, although he had one in week two, I believe. Uh, but he did end up playing quite a bit, you know, over the years. So I think that's kind of what I want to see, right? Is like, who's going to be those guys that maybe like out for all of the telling us that they have done when it comes to these press conferences, I want to see. I want them to show us rather than just tell us, you know what I mean? Like, especially like if, you know, CJ Stokes comes out there and busts out a couple long ones, it's going to be like, okay, all right. They might really have something here. I mean, especially considering, well, he looks pretty good in limited time last year. Uh, or Benjamin Hall, same kind of deal. Does he get in there and just move the pile in a way that's just impressive? How does, you know, and obviously the transfers as well. How does Ernest Hausman look? It, is he flying all over the field? Remember, year one to year two jump. It's a little different because he's at a different school for year two, but, you know, maybe just maybe with Chris Partridge, well, initially George Hilo and then Chris Partridge uh, kind of leading the charge with him, having Jesse Minter, do the lights just turn on all of a sudden for him? Um, he's an interesting one, and I, I, I know I didn't tell you the quote that he said, that Minter said about, Ernest Hausman yesterday. Um, I'm going to add that right now just because he's one that I'm definitely looking at. So what he had to say about Ernest Hausman, he said, Ernest is a tremendous asset, tremendous pickup, tremendous position uh, where I think one of the stalwarts of our defense last year is we played a lot of people, especially up front, but at linebacker at the two inside backer spots was an area where we did not rotate as much. And part of that was just depth and some injuries and some guys in and out, some younger players, and so it's a tremendous tre tre tremendous position of need to create depth. 
Number one, he's made plays in our stadium and in big moments. So, again, remember, that's one of the things that Sharon says he's looking for. Can you go out and make big plays in the stadium? Is it too bright or not? So, said, so continue with Minter. So, we kind of know that that's not going to be too big for him. And I think he's just physically, immensely a tremendous asset to that room, and he'll challenge those guys. We have two incumbent players that uh, might challenge to – Ernest is to go take their spot. My challenge to those guys to hold on to your spot because he's coming. So very excited about the addition of him. So he's the type of guy. It's it's the unknowns. I the, the known quantities, I don't really you know, okay. They're they're not really on display here. It's really the unknowns. What guys have we heard about all off season as being guys who are sending? What guys do we just not know about? That makes me interested just as much and you know, the Keyshawn Bennett's and the Jaden Hoods of the world, right? Like, how do those guys end up doing? Because if if Jaden Hood comes out flying around the field, has seven tackles, it might be like, oh, okay. He, they haven't mentioned him at all, really, in the last two years. Maybe the lights are starting to turn on for him in, in a kind of bright moment. Maybe he can use this to propel himself into fall. So that's it. That's I think that's the most important thing. Anyway, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I know I say that twice just about every ending here. But uh, tomorrow we'll be back with the mailbag. Friday we'll find something to talk about. Saturday will be spring game reaction. Probably all of these will probably be at, put up at 9-something on the the podcast audio. And YouTube, you just never know when those are going to go up. The internet here is awful. So sometimes I just don't even try like I just posted last week's Thursday mailbag I thought I posted it this morning I didn't hit publish until I sat down to do this because I just forgot to hit publish so you never know when they're gonna hit on YouTube but uh the other channels yeah they're gonna they'll, they'll be up here uh usually around 9 30 at night so thank you for watching thank you for listening we'll be back on Thursday peace <laughs>